We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. everybody welcome to the week six edition of the pro football focus fantasy show here on roto grinders i am Britt divine uh joined by my man mr ian harditz uh coming to you live from the pro football focus uh hq ian uh d- drop some names who, who can you see over there I found a kitchen somewhere that I'm showing, uh, showing right now. I think the important folks uh, got the studio. But, yeah, actually I uh, was running by uh, talking to Chris Collinsworth about the coffee machine yesterday. So always seeing someone interesting here in Cincinnati, Ohio. Yeah, what's up, man? Uh, glad to be back here for week six. Week five uh, was fun, Ian. But we have all this data now. And usually I think we've, we've talked about this a couple of times three weeks, two weeks, we're, we're always searching for this time when we can somewhat forget about 2020 and really focus on 2021. We're here. I think, I think we've arrived to that. Yeah. The problem is everyone's hurt. <laughs> so we'll have a lot of fun on this Friday show. I've mentioned it before. One of the fun things about doing the show on Friday is we actually get to talk about a lot of things that are happening in the injury world that you may not have heard on other shows. Um, but we always start off uh, with your mismatch manifesto on pro football focus. If you guys want to read this, Ian uh, lobbied uh, with the guys over at PFF, it is free over there for the entire season. You can find that over on pro football focus. If you want to get all the other cool stuff uh, like grades, uh, I like to read the util- utilization report. 
uh, from Dwayne The Rock McFarland. Uh, if you want access to all that other stuff, you do have to have a subscription, um, but Ian's article is free. We go over it over here. Uh, Ian, let's pretend some people are new to this show, uh, either on YouTube or on the Roto-Grinders podcast feed. Explain to the people what you do, and let's jump into to week six, man. Real simple. And if you follow me on Twitter and you see, you know, the conditionally formatted blue and red charts I send out every week, that's where the article gets all the information from. So basically, you know, we, when we talk about mismatches, it's always been something regardless of what company you work for, what stat you're looking at. It's the offense ranks X and this and the defense ranks Y in this. So basically to remove the two way street, I just combined the metrics so we can get these clean conditionally formatted columns to help tell us, Hey, here's where the mismatches could potentially be. As always, we got to add some context though that's where the article comes in that's where Britt and i come in so starting things off with the explosive plays this week we really see one quarterback stand tall among the others in terms of expecting the ball out that is joe burrow against the lions secondary that just really hasn't been able to slow down anyone this year so burrow we have started to see the pass play rate move up a little bit in neutral situation that was the only problem in the early part of the year man before burrow got hurt last year he was number one in dropbacks among everybody I'm not saying he's getting all the way back Back there, but at least in this matchup with the efficiency we're expecting him to have, might not need 40 dropbacks to have a big day at the office. We also see Matthew Stafford, Kyler Murray, even Carson Wentz set up well enough as well. Maybe some guys that could be in trouble, Justin Fields easily standing out as the worst. I mean, until this Chicago offense gives us anything, I think the only guy we can really trust at this point is Khalil Herbert, just because of all the injuries that have happened there. I'm sure we'll talk about him a little bit in the running back section. Also have Teddy Bridgewater and Baker Mayfield not looking great as well. Uh, all right, let's keep scrolling down your article. Again, if you guys want to check this out and read it for your own, uh, you can do that without a PFF subscription. Uh, let's talk about pace. Uh, one of the most important things, plays per game, really factors into uh, projection sets and fantasy points that you can, you know, targets, all that sort of fun stuff. One of the most important things in uh, DFS when setting your lineups. Uh, it looks like we had one of the fastest projected paces. Uh, that was in last night's Tampa Bay at Philadelphia. Uh, what do we got on the Sunday slate? And I also want to note, uh, things are a little different this week with the buys kicking in and we still have London games. We've gone from 13 or 14 games on the main slate down to 10. So the ownership itself is going to get a little bit congested as we work through the plays later. And we're also going to get all sorts of wind tweets on a Sunday morning from all of our weather experts, uh, all of our meteorologists out there in the industry, <laughs> because uh, Cleveland is looking like around 20 miles per hour. I pointed this out on Twitter and someone said that I had a dangerous, what I said was dangerous for saying it was going to be, a win week because it wasn't over 20 miles per hour and i said what are you talking about i am seeing 20 oh they were seeing 19 so my bad people but just realize it is when not precipitation we care about the cleveland game will be impacted by that but back to pace rams giants is really the only other game standing out in terms of really a fast-paced matchup there's some relative to this this week but in terms of just on the year as a whole rams giants is the only game i think that we should expect a little bit more you know uh, play volume to happen to both sides which hey Hey, with the Giants, man, we got Tony, we got returning Sterling Shepard, we got Devontae Booker expecting to see some snaps. I do think most people will be attacking the Rams side of the ball, but there are some reasonable bring back options, especially with Daniel Jones trending towards being able to play some of the slower pace games, Bengals and Lions, as well as the Texans and Colts. So, you know, I still think in these games, there are some options, but, you know, when you see this slow of projected game pace, and particularly in like the Bengals case, as tempting as it might be for, you know, Burrow, Chase, Boyd, whoever 
you want to do there. I am worried with Joe Mixon expected to have his usual workload back. Just how many times Burrow will be asked to drop back in 60 minutes. Yeah, I want to speaking of Joe Mixon, it looks like he popped up as a limited on the practice report, but we did get a beat writer uh, a little while ago, right before the show say he expects him to get his full workload. And I think Mixon, uh, I think I got him down as one of my favorite tournament yeah. running backs this week, because I just don't think anyone's going to use him because it has turned into running back chalk week, in my opinion, with that uh, Nick Chubb. And then we're all going to be playing uh, Mr. Kareem Hunt, I think. Yeah, I'm, I'm seeing it right now via NBC Sports Edge, formerly known as Roto World, that Mixon listed as questionable, but is firmly expected to play. And yeah, okay, Bengals coach Zach Taylor said Mixon will play, and they're listing him as questionable because uh, why the hell not? I guess, right? Yeah, uh, let's keep scrolling down your article here. Let's talk about pressure rate. Maybe it'll help get your quarterback rattled. Maybe you might want to avoid him, or maybe we can find something here to help out um, the defensive selections because those are always playing Russian roulette uh, with defense. What do we got here, um, both positive and negative? Two guys I really should have all day to throw, Matthew Stafford, again, and that kind of goes hand-in-hand with that uh, Giants game we were talking about, and Justin Herbert, man. Like, I think this could be the week to really go in on Herbert, Mike Williams, and Keenan Allen. I see Keenan Allen getting some deserved hype. He has been a bit overdue for a blow-up. But Mike Williams, I think, is so expensive at this point that people aren't going to want to pay all the way up to get him because there are some, you know, quote-unquote better, cheaper options. With that said, we know his upside in this offense. It's over 100 yards and two touchdowns each and every week so if you want to differentiate that lineup i mean it costs you extra but now with some of the rb value and ricky seals jones always chilling there at 3k i do think if you want to pay up and get this expensive charger stack it could help differentiate that old lineup and then uh with the pressure guys that could just be seeing more of it sam Darnold and kirk cousins not looking good and also teddy bridgewater among these guys i would say it's most problematic for kirk cousins i think justin jefferson will get his no matter what but we've seen cousins this year has the fourth largest drop off in yards per attempt when kept clean versus when he's under pressure. So that's why him, and I think Tannehill is another guy I kind of like this. I mean, they look great when they have all day to throw and they can really just survey the whole field from the pocket. Once you can get them off that spot, though, totally different quarterback. I'm not a Titans believer this week. We'll talk about that in an upcoming <laughs> segment as well. Uh, continuing uh, some of the uh, topics in the mismatch manifesto, Yards before contact, this is a running back offensive line, uh, something we can maybe glean into that. What are a couple of good matchups? What are a couple of bad matchups? Chiefs and Ravens really standing out as having the top two run game matchups. And hey, again, with all these backup guys and Kareem Hunt surging ahead, going to guys like Latavius Murray and Daryl Williams might actually be a way to still get starters, guys that should be seeing probably somewhere close to 15 combined carries and targets at a little bit of a reduced ownership cost. So the Latavius angle, I think, is especially interesting because we saw the Chargers play the Browns, a complete run first offense last week, and really not change their entire philosophy of hey, like run the ball all you want. Who else likes to do that? The Baltimore Ravens. So I do think Lamar and to a lesser extent, Latavius Murray could have some big rushing lanes this week, just from a schematic point of view. And then uh, guys that shouldn't really be seeing too many open lanes, Houston Texans, good. We don't want to worry about them anyway in fantasy land. And also the Raiders. I will say though, man, for two straight weeks now, Josh Jacobs' uses has looked absolutely fantastic. He's had 18 and 20 combined carries and targets. And these are games with extreme negative game scripts. So we haven't always been able to assume 
that when things go south, Josh Jacobs will be able to get this many touches. We still have some boxes to check now in this post Gruden offense. We aren't sure if it's going to be the same thing. And Peyton Barber could feasibly return and uh, get work his way into the committee as well. But so far, Jacobs' two biggest obstacles that pass down role were they're extremely highly paid backup running back Kenyon Drake and Jalen Richard, who returned last week. Now the guy had an impact on Jacobs' targets, which was great to see. I do want to know if anyone out there uh, read early on Friday that Jacobs was out of practice because he wasn't in there. He did make a late appearance in practice uh, just a few minutes ago. So if anyone was worried about that, Josh Jacobs does look like he is trending towards playing this week. Uh, Let's close this out, Ian. Oh, that's another thing. Uh, All the team grades at PFF. I misclicked. uh, (laughs) So people got some sneak peek behind the paywall over there. Uh, Let's go to the passing game here. Any good uh, offenses that might be a little under the radar for people to target in the passing game this week. Cause this, this is really how tournaments are won. Echoing the Rams and kind of Bengals having a good matchup that we've seen on some of these other stats, but the other kind of two, the chargers against the Ravens defense that I still think people are giving this Ravens secondary, like a little more credit. They were arguably the best secondary in the league for the better part of the past three years, but you take away Peters, you take away Jimmy Smith. That's why Carson Wentz just threw for 400 yards on these guys. They're coming off a short week. Again, I really love the idea of looking away from probably a pretty chalky Austin Eckler and even including, him since he's so involved in that passing game but really just honing in on this Chargers offense uh, this week and then also we are seeing the Houston Texans pop up a little bit I don't think Davis Mills is going to throw for 300 plus and three touchdowns every week but at a minimum in this post Tyrod offense however much longer that's going to persist I think we have enough of a decent enough I should say quarterback under center so Brandon Cooks could be in a pretty nice bounce back spot here all right. I lied about closing it out. Let's do EPA per play. How did we do last week in this? What's the running total um, when we get to two positive teams? Um, yeah. Is this still a trend we should be looking at? It's doing well, uh, like anything, you know, use it as part of the puzzle, not the entire thing. But yeah, so when you pick the team as the underdog, but they're expected to have the better offensive matchup against the spread, it's been 6-4-1. and one. Straight up, though, and obviously we're getting the extra points on the money line there, it has been 6-5. and five. So this week's group, we got the Panthers sitting as a one-point underdog. I'm not sure if that's going to move anymore with the McCaffrey news. Probably shouldn't, but, you know, these uh, things happen from time to time. I don't love that one. The Vikings are just kind of a hard team to really get behind. The Chargers plus three, though, man, I just think that this is more based on, like, the Chargers are going to charge her than actually looking at the Chargers versus the Ravens uh, this year. I feel like the Chargers are the better team on both sides of the ball. When I saw that earlier this week, I immediately pounded their money line. And, hey, if you want the points, that's fine, too. Uh, More on that here in just a second. And also the Cardinals sitting at plus three against the Browns stand out as a battle, I think, we should be potentially getting behind Baker versus Kyler, man. I think it leans pretty damn uh, favorably in Kyler's uh, favor. And just looking at, you know, this Browns defense. Yeah, they're great. We saw that against, you know, Justin Fields and company. But then we also saw last week against the Chargers, not exactly the sort of shutdown unit that can just take a really good offense out of the picture. So if it becomes a shootout between the Cardinals and the Browns, and yeah, we got the win to worry about. But no, Nick Chubb could also impact a hey, If any running backs are going to make any sort of impact, it could be guys like Chubb and McCaffrey. And I think the Cardinals getting three while being the better overall team uh, is an interesting situation I'm interested in. Also the Seahawks, but obviously with uh, the change from Russ to Geno, that's something I'm staying away from. Yeah, you got the two teams. uh, I always like to bet a couple live dogs. We're going to get into the betting stuff in just a second. They didn't make my list. 
but you can the cardinals and chargers are definitely the, yeah. the two live dogs of the week if you're trying to, to bet that um all right that's going to do it for the recap of the mismatch manifesto again if you want to read that over on pro football focus it is free each and every week thanks to ian battling it out with the suits over at pff and then if you want any of the other cool stuff over there like the grades or to read uh, Dwayne's um uh context context matters yes uh, the sheet he does there that is uh one of the top-notch things i read that every week along with everything else you get over at pff uh if you're interested uh all right let's jump into some of the sports betting stuff because ian after a horrific start i have i have been pounding it to the books over the past couple of weeks and have clawed my way back uh into a positive season here i'm looking to keep it rolling here uh, I'm playing the favorites this week. Uh, I mentioned if you want to play the dogs, the Chargers, Cardinals, you can take the money line on them. Uh, I think they almost should be favorites. The Cardinals maybe a little worrisome. You get Kyler Murray with the dinged wing, and he doesn't start running, and it just affects the offense a little bit, maybe a little bit worrisome, but I still think they're the better team for sure. Um, but I'm playing the favorites. The first one for me is the Packers is five and a half against the Bears. Now, I got you with the Bears last week against the Raiders because I didn't believe in the Raiders. Well, guess what? Ian, this week, I don't believe in the Bears. So uh, the Packers are just a better team. I know the Packers are dealing with a lot of injuries here, but this Bears offense is atrocious. They don't want to do anything with it. They want to run the ball like 30, 40 times a game um, with Khalil Herbert. I don't know if that's really going to work against the Packers. Now it might because the Packers stink against the run. Yeah. But Aaron, newsflash, Aaron Rodgers is going to put up points against the Chicago Bears. And when you're down 10 and you're trying to run, it's just really not going to work too well. Unless they unleash Justin Fields and Allen Robinson is somehow getting 15 targets a game like he was last year instead of getting whatever low amount he's this year. Uh, I think the Packers uh, cover that five and a half pretty easily. Uh, the strangest line of the week to me is the Cowboys because I bet this at four on Monday. I get to the book early. I think I'm, oh man, this is going to be like six by the time the Sunday comes around and it's gone the other way against me. It's a three and a half right now. Uh, I still think this is one of the best lines of the week. I don't know how the Patriots score enough points to really compete with this high powered Cowboys offense. And then when the Cowboys get up, they just grind the game away, right? With Zeke and Pollard and their offense is so good. I just don't know how the Patriots keep pace with them in this game. They're going to need multiple turnover advantage or some really fluky plays, I think, to be able to keep pace with that Cowboys offense. So I got that one as well. And then the other one, here's one that worked for me. I got the Bills minus four on Monday. It's now minus five and a half uh, against the Titans. This is just pretty easy. The Titans defense is absolutely atrocious. And the Bills offense, newsflash, is really good. So this doesn't really take a lot of sensing what's happening here. I think they're going to be able to get after Tannehill. I think Tannehill, even though he's got Julio Jones and AJ Brown back, I, I don't know, this isn't going to be the Derrick Henry game. Now, of course, this, it, you know, we don't get to use him on the main slate, but in showdowns and things like that, maybe it'll work out. But I just think the Bills are the far superior team and it's five and a half. That is a, that's a decent amount to lay, but I, I think they, they win this game by a touchdown pretty easily. And then uh, to reiterate, Chargers, Cardinals, uh, as live dogs, uh, if you like those sort of things. That's where I stand, Ian. Um, what, what are you looking at at the books this week? Well, I haven't been on quite as big of a tear as you, but I also dug a bigger hole to start the year. So slowly <laughs> but surely, uh, coming off the two in one week, we are at five and ten. Don't let them get hot, people. Uh, right now, I have a money line parlay going on. We got the first one down. Bucks 
Bengals, Cowboys, Bills, if you wanted to roll the Bengals over the Lions, the Cowboys and the Bills to complete that, you could still get pretty solid odds there. I'm with you on the Cowboys against the Patriots, and I'm fine taking that minus three, minus three and a half, whatever. I just think this Patriots team, like they're getting too big of a bump for playing the Buccaneers pretty competitively in a primetime game. If That's you just a weird look at game. It was a weird game. I think if they played 10 times, like that might be the closest that game ends up being. If you just look at them this year, they lose to the Dolphins in week one. They beat Zach Wilson and they end up beating Davis Mills in a game that Barely. was entirely, yeah, a game that was entirely too close. So, you know, maybe their O-lines could be a little bit healthier this week, but I just don't know, even with a healthy O-line, what the ceiling on this offense is. Mac Jones so far is like the single worst deep ball passer in the game. And like, oh, Trayvon Diggs is a game time decision. I can see a path to the Patriots not being blown the hell out but either way I think three even three and a half is just far too low on this I talked about the Chargers again I'm in on the money line there I just think they're better than the Ravens each and every way around and you can say oh we gotta go from west coast to you know all the way out in Baltimore Baltimore is also coming off the short week in that Monday night game that went into overtime you know you could make the oh coming off a big emotional win uh, storyline if you wanted to as well and then finally I think the Giants at plus nine just seems a bit extreme man and they're home. We do have the LA going all the way to New York storyline going there. And, you know, the Rams, after they got that Buccaneers win, it was like, whoa, like we might be looking at the best overall team in football here, potentially not so much over the last two weeks. Disappointing loss to the Cardinals. And then even in that Seattle game, like it was way too close with Russ barely playing um, in the second half, I think, for, for comfort there. So Giants, we got Daniel Jones coming back, who's been playing great this year. Like it sucks. He got concussed immediately against the Cowboys. Boys, but if you take that one out of the picture, I think the Giants are a good enough team to at least keep this one within a touchdown. I certainly think the Rams will win, but I think the Giants at home as nine points, that's just too high for me. Yeah, the, a couple others. Um, you, you mentioned the Rams almost, you know, not really beating the Seahawks. The Seahawks are really garbage, and the, I don't really like the Steelers, but I think they're going to win pretty handily against Seattle this week. And the Chiefs with all – like Washington is just falling apart at the seams on, on Friday's practice. You got McLaurin with a hamstring injury. That sounds pretty, uh, pretty not great for his uh, ability to play on Sunday. If he shows up on the Friday practice with that, you've got Antonio Gibson still dealing with a shin. Um, if Ricky seals Jones is the number one target, uh, I don't know if they're going to be able to keep pace uh, against yeah. Patrick Mahomes this week. So I do like my, the chiefs is uh, I think it was at six and a half and maybe it's moved with all that news. Uh, but I do like the Chiefs as well here. I, I'm, I just like the favorites quite a bit this week. I think they all uh, cover pretty easily. All right, before we get into some DFS position chatter, uh, I need to tell you guys about Jock Market. Stop uh, throwing your money away and check out Jock Market. Uh, it's the app where daily fantasy becomes a stock exchange. Buy and sell shares of players in real time for real money. Download now for a 100% deposit match up to $50 using promo code GRINDERS. Uh, and get this, if you happen to lose money in the first in your first market on Jock Market, they will cover your expenses up to $100 on your first play. So what you would do with that, I've played this a couple of times too, it's fun, deposit your 50, use promo code GRINDERS, you get the 100 bucks. Try to take a couple of long shots because if you lose that hundred and you're a first time customer or player, they will cover your losses and you could turn a hundred into 500, 600 pretty easily on jock market. If you pick the right players, it's a fun little game. Go check it out and use promo code grinders. All right. Let's, you know, I, I hate when it's like the super chalk week, Ian, and it's really, really the lineup almost makes itself for a couple of reasons. I guess I'll start from the top down. The first thing you have is we had the Ravens offensive explosion on Monday night. 
So that didn't get factored into their salaries this week. So you've got Lamar Jackson, Mark Andrews, and Marquise Brown, all relatively cheap. And then we've got all these injuries popping up later in the week. So those salaries are not accounted for. Then you've got a 3K tight end that plays every snap and might be the number one target for Washington this week. So cash games, uh, normal, there's, there's still an edge because so many people play NFL, but uh, at least in the higher stakes, uh, the edge is going to be pretty thin and it's definitely going to be a little thinner as you work your way down the buy-ins this week, particularly because like at quarterback, we, you know, it was Heineke and it was Lamar. And if, if Terry McLaurin's out, and Antonio Gibson is still a little banged up. I don't know if I'm going to trust in Heineke to be able to get some extra money to play those high-priced wide receivers and things like that. So it just really looks like Lamar Jackson in cash week. He's too cheap on all the sites. He had the big blow-up game. I know the Chargers, they really limit those deep plays, which is that is the Lamar Jackson game plan when he throws the ball. It's chuck it deep to Marquise Brown, hit a couple big plays to Mark Andrews. But I still think they're going to find a way to get it done uh, I don't know about Latavius Murray because he, he looks like total garbage. We, you, we Maybe we can talk about that a little bit more. But Lamar Jackson, he's going to get his rushing. The floor is so high. The ceiling's even higher. Maybe the ceiling game might not be there against his Chargers defense, but you know that floor is going to be there. So, sort of like Jalen Hurts. Come hell or high water, Lamar Jackson's going to get there. He's just, too, he's just too cheap given his recent performances. Yeah, it's – and again, we talked about the Chargers before. If they would have adjusted more to the Browns' run first offense, I would be wondering if this could be a trap game of sorts for Lamar. But they didn't. So, uh, you know, it is nice we do this on Fridays. I record my DFS episode of the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast on Thursdays. And I went through this, you know, great cash game segment where we were mostly building around Taylor Heineke. But you take away Terry McLaurin from that equation, you give a lot more value at running back. And all of a sudden, like, yeah, let's just go up and get to Lamar Jackson. I guess the question after that, though, is like, who do we want to exactly stack him with? Do we just want to go naked with it? Or Hollywood Brown, I think, is more than affordable at 5,900. And even Mark Andrews, man, I know it's you know, Kelsey or RSJ week, but the fact that Mark Andrews is only sitting there at, what, 5,200 on DraftKings, the Chargers... I think they used Derwin James differently this year. Like he was such a great tight end stopper his first year. And Brandon Staley said it, like he plays five different positions for them. So this isn't like a slight on Derwin James, it's just a reality. They've been the league's worst defense and fantasy points per game allowed to tight ends so far this year. So Andrews, Hollywood, Lamar, I'm not saying you need to stack all them together, but they're certainly all getting that Monday night discount as you brought it up. With the GPP side of things, I mean, I think that's where our conversation will be a little more interesting uh, this week. Again, love the idea of going with um, Justin Herbert, getting Keenan Allen, hopefully Mike Williams. The guy hasn't been able to practice all week. I've, you know, got the impression that it just seems to be more rest than anything, but we'll see what the final injury designation says. Um, if Mike is out, I would say my favorite QB two wide receiver tournament stack. How about a little Sam Darnold, DJ Moore, and Robbie Anderson? Mm -hmm. You know, I've been calling for that squeaky wheel Robbie spot for the last two weeks now. Haven't gotten the production yet, but he does have, I believe, 18 or 19 targets combined during that stretch. Once again, Christian McCaffrey is going to be sidelined. I think Chuba will get a lot of rightful ownership uh, enhancement uh, because of that. So maybe going away to this passing game that, let's face it, as long as they can just give Donald some semblance of time in that pocket, not a guarantee. We talked about the pressure issues before, but I think anybody, particularly receivers as good as DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson, can torch Patrick Peterson and Bashad Breeland. Uh, news alert, news alert, bing, bing, whatever noise you want to make. Mike Williams, not at practice on Friday. Uh, so he has three straight did not practice. Uh, that just happened a couple of minutes ago. Uh, so during the portion open to the media, 
He was not there. We'll have to see if he suits up. If Mike Williams isn't in there now, he's expensive. So I think a lot of people were going to play Herbert to Eckler to Keenan Allen and maybe mix in the tight ends because Williams is just super expensive. Is he if he's out? Does that change your thought on the stack at all? Or are we just kind of sort of rotating in Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler types? I mean, it gives us the potential to go all the way down to like Jalen Guyton and Josh Palmer if we want to get, you know, get real funky with it. But yeah, I think more than anything, it's just Eckler and Keenan become guys that we might want to just really try to squeeze in to the uh, cash game spot. We'll see, man. It's I feel like the Chargers in the past have done this with Keenan and guys like for other teams, a full week of DMP is like, yeah, this guy's not playing before. But I could see a scenario with the Chargers where it happens like Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen didn't practice all week and they're not even listed on the injury report. So not good. I wish he would have been out there. Let's see what the final designation says. All right. And then one my uh, my Hail Mary, I guess, uh, in tournaments this week is going to be Carson Wentz. He's at home in a dome against the Houston Texans. I don't know if I really need to get much more in depth than that. Now it didn't really work out for the Patriots last week, but once, once has a little, he's like sneaky. You'll get a little rushing yards. Uh, if they get down on like the one or the two, like, what are they doing not giving uh, Jonathan Taylor like 80% of the work and they're still mixing in Marlon, Marlon Mack way too much. Um, but Matt, JT is going to get some ownership, but once in the passing game, and the thing I like about Wentz is if T.Y. Hilton doesn't play, it's it's very easy. Like, I think you just play Wentz with Michael Pittman, and I think you can stack him with either Hines or Jonathan Taylor pretty easily, and you run it back with Brandon Cooks or pick a irrelevant Texans wide receiver that had a good game last <laughs> week and really pray, but the stack really does seem to make itself. Um, he's very cheap and allows you to maybe get up to some higher price players elsewhere. So that's my one GPP Hail Mary. And I was on board with you with Herbert. And I think Herbert maybe even becomes more interesting if Mike Williams doesn't play because then you're not forced to spend 8,100 DraftKings uh, fantasy dollars on a guy who's still, who was going to, he's just very expensive now. So it makes stacking uh, a little bit easier. And I think that might even bump up Herbert's ownership uh, just a little bit. Uh, let's jump to running backs. And I guess this is where I think we've got a couple really chalky plays for cash games this week. Everyone with the Nick Chubb news is going to play Kareem Hunt. And I, I tweeted out something from stat news earlier where Kareem Hunt in games without Nick Chubb for the Browns has actually been a pretty horrific fantasy play. That was more in jest. We were talking about this pre-show. Why don't you go over what happened in some of those games? We do have Dernis Johnson, who probably will get, what, 20 to 30% of the overall touches. In the, you, so. you, don't, you don't think so? No. I, I, I don't know, maybe like 10 to 15%, but we're, we're going to see a lot of work from Kareem Hunt here. Just go over what sort of happened in those games and why he should be such a smash play this week. So with the Ernest this year, he's actually like, maybe they consider him the more the backup for Nick Chubb, but they've actually liked uh, Felton a little bit more their rookie running back. Some people, uh, Demetrius Felton, he's like a wide receiver running back kind of hybrid. So again, I wouldn't be shocked if we end up seeing the Ernest get the carries. Felton doesn't have a carry this year, but he does have six catches and he's looked pretty good mm-hmm. with them. So gun to my head, I'd actually prefer Felton over the Johnson, but I just think it's going to be the Kareem Hunt show. That's basically what it 
it was last year when you zoom in a little bit more on the game. So Nick Chubb gets hurt in that week four game against the Cowboys when OBJ went completely nuts. But what a lot of people forget is that Kareem Hunt entered that game questionable as a game time decision himself with a calf injury, I believe. So it was a groin injury. Okay, so week five comes along. He plays 70% of the snaps. Not great. Again, groin injury playing a factor. Still gets 24 combined carries and targets. Week six comes along. Only 16 combined. They lost this game 38 to 7. The Steelers, the starters were pulled, not even in the fourth quarter, late third quarter. That's how bad of a beatdown it was. What happens after that? 22 combined carries and targets, 17 combined on 90%, 86% snap rates. I believe the last game was one of like three straight just weather meltdowns the Browns had to deal with as well. So I know it's easy to just take the four game game log and look at it and say, oh, Kareem Hunt was more of like an upside running back too. What's the big fuss about that 90% usage for him. If he gets it in this version of the Browns offense, man, in a reasonable matchup, like he, he's my RB four on the week in season long. I don't think there is a single start sit question that you can get away from. And then when we look at the price in hand, it was already kind of curious. He was this cheap, man. He's been just objectively better than Nick Chubb this year. And it's nothing against Nick Chubb. They're both top 10 running backs. It's ridiculous. They're on the same team. But to see Hunt already in the low six uh, point, in that low 6K range, even before the injury, I thought was interesting. So just based on this projected workload, which again, true 80-90% in a great offense at home against a bad run defense, I don't think it's a trap, man. I think we got to get behind Kareem Hunt everywhere. All right, a couple other running backs that are probably going to play almost every snap. First uh, is going to be Daryl Henderson. If he stay, if he can stay out of the blue tent, he should have a massive game here against the Giants um, on his couple of trips in to the tent. Uh, Sony Michelle will grab a couple of carries, but Daryl Henderson looks really good. And with the CMC news, uh, I know you have Chuba Hubbard in here. Talk about the what happened between him in two weeks ago and then what happened last week because when we all played him in DFS. We got the outcome we didn't want, and then we got off of him. He had the outcome we did want. What can we expect out of him this week? These are two guys who should be in on just about every snap this week. Yeah, he's due for some positive uh, touchdown. I guess we can just say due for some uh, touchdown regression uh, in this one. Only Chase Edmonds has more overall touches this year without a score than Chuba. So, yeah, two weeks ago, they play the Cowboys, and we don't get the every down roll because Dallas really, you know, took advantage of a couple third quarter interceptions and blew that game open. We still saw 15 combined carries and targets, but people kind of got off Chuba as this Mike Davis light one for one replacement from McCaffrey. What happened last week? And game that you know you were right Britt the Eagles won I kudos to you for calling that you know a win's a win (laughs) I was gonna say you know I must have missed the part where you talked about how they were gonna win on a block punt late in the fourth quarter but win is a win as you said I'm not not bitter at all couldn't be me but anyway in this game Chuba Five catches, 24 carries, ended up getting himself 134 total yards. So I'm not worried about this Vikings uh, defense any more than I would be. The Eagles one that I just had plenty of success with. And again, we should see the same exact usage because they released Rodney Smith this week, I think in anticipation of McCaffrey coming back. So it might have actually been a downgrade for CMC. 
I'm not really sure with the COVID protocols they have, if they could even re-sign Rodney like in this amount of time and get him back ready to go by Sunday. So assuming that it's just Chuba and Royce Freeman active this week, I think Chuba, I think Henderson, and I think Hunt, you'd have a hard time getting away from these guys in cash games. I will say though, man, like if you want to just keep going down, the cheapest one of these you know, newfound starting running backs we can get to is Khalil Herbert at 4,600. Home dog against the pack. I get it. I'm not really trusting this Bears offense to do that much, but similar thing as Devontae Booker, who, you know, costs 800 more. Like, I'd much rather play Herbert there because they're both in projected rough spots, but they are at home and they should see 15 to 20 combined carries and targets. You know, unless you're like 2019, Kalen Balazs, it's pretty hard to bust on those sort of numbers. Um, you like going down on prices. I sort of like laddering up a little bit to Delvin Cook is just 7,700. And he, I, I, like, he looks like he's, he's off the, off the injury report. Good to go. That signals Dalvin cook 80% plus of the touches in my opinion this week, he's 7,700 on DraftKings. to me. He's like maybe in yesteryear, he's like a nine K DraftKings player, but he's at least an $8,500 player when he's fully healthy and expected to get a full workload this week. He's 7,700. He's probably the spend up. Uh, I like if you're going that way uh, for tournaments. Uh, there's a couple of guys I mentioned earlier in the show, Joe Mixon. If Alexander, I, I think Alexander Madison's pretty good. I think Joe Mixon is like, I don't do running backs really matter. If, if Alexander Madison can go bananas against the lions, why can't Joe Mixon, right? You know, that's what the Bengals want to do in theory is because they still want to hide Joe Burrow. They don't want him to get injured. They don't want him to have any issues or anything like that. Why can't he go bananas against the Lions this week? And if the coach says he's ready to go and get his full workload, I'm expecting to see those first couple of weeks of workload from Joe Mixon, where he almost doesn't come off the field. I think he's a really good play in a tournament. This mid-tier is absolutely fantastic this week. Um, and then one guy who we only have projected at about 5%, which will probably go down even more once the Kareem Hunt news gets factored into things like that, is Ezekiel Elliott. Dude, the, the Cowboys, I've mentioned this three or four times in the show this year, they want to run the ball and they want to run the ball with Zeke once they have a lead. And I think they're going to be able to pound on the Patriots, put up a ton of points. They've got the number one run blocking unit in all of PFF grades, at least on the team grades. They want to run. He's in line for 20 plus touches, in my opinion. No one's going to be using them. Easy, 100 yards, two touchdowns is certainly on, on, on the possibilities of, of things he can do. And if no one's going to be using him, uh, I like Zeke in tournaments. Just if everyone's going to be playing Hunt, Hunt's going to be probably the highest owned player we've seen this season in large field tournaments when you factor in things like the bye week and then just the, the performance he should have. Um, but if you can sort of switch it up a little bit somewhere in tournaments to a couple of these other mid-tiers or get Dalvin or play one of those cheapies, you got um, Daryl Williams in there as well. Like you can make some fun rosters this week in tournaments. So just don't, you don't have to pound in the, the ultra high on running backs. Don't be afraid to mix it up. Um, I think you're on, you're on mixing too. You got a couple other fun names as well. Yeah, but no, I think the process that you're going through is exactly right. And it's what I'm sticking to with these guys. We have Hunt, we have Henderson, like even Swift, I think is going to be fetching a good amount of ownership here. So yeah, 
go up to Mixon. Don't be afraid to go down to Josh Jacobs. It's not the most ideal matchup in Denver. But like, what do we what do we see with running backs, man? If you can get 15 to 20 touches per game, you can find your way into the end zone once or twice and clear that century mark. So matchups, while important, when we can get this big of an edge off the chalk in tournaments, I do think it's worth looking at. And also what we see in the pressure rate stuff, like Teddy Bridgewater could be in for a long afternoon. I like the idea of stacking Jacobs with that rate defense and then with Chuba sitting there at 5,900 I think he can go down to Latavius potentially like again he still is the number one back but they were in a big hole against the Colts and they had to throw the hell out of the ball I got a real galaxy brain one for you though here Britt J.D. McKissick all the way down at 4,800 Gibson is listed as questionable I'm expecting him to play but like this idea that these scat backs don't have upside, I don't really think is true. If you look at McKissick's finishes this year, week one, RB77. Week two, RB7. Week three, RB46. Week four, RB14. Week five, RB68. Even number weeks, man, J.D. McKissick goes off. <laughs> Fantasy football doesn't need to be uh, that hard. But even going back to the second half of last year, this dude had like four to five top 12 finishes down that stretch. So if Terry McLaurin's out of the picture, like who else are they going to throw the ball to? Curtis Samuel's out. We could actually see McKissick get back to working as a true wide receiver like he did for l- large portions of last season. So everyone wants this Chiefs Washington game and how do we expect it to go? Probably the Chiefs getting up a lot and Washington having to play comeback. Well, McKissick's the guy that's on the field when they're doing that. So everyone wants RSJ and stuff, but McKissick could be the one where when we see his game log, you know, on Sunday night, we're saying, how, why would you throw the ball 13 times to JD McKissick? Could be one of those kind of weeks. Uh, I know a lot of you guys out there listen to this or, you know, on the Roto Grinders podcast feed or watch it on demand later. Um, if you are on YouTube watching it, please uh, like and subscribe. It helps other people find it. Uh, and if you are watching this live, don't forget, we have a lot of cool shows on the Roto Grinders podcast feed. You can go check that out if you want to subscribe to that. Uh, everything's delivered right to your phone. Um, you don't have to find it. Uh, it's just delivered right to you. You can catch everything on demand. Uh, all right, let's get into wide receivers. And I think wide receivers are the spot where you're going to get a little difference. But the problem at least in cash games, is if you plug in all the players we already mentioned that are going to be super high owned, you're left with a very distinct salary range to work in, which is this five to mid to high 6K range to really fill out your rosters with good players. You can also, there's a couple 4K receivers I think you can mix it up with going any cheaper than that. Does look a little dicey. So like the, the Michael Pittman's right. Who's definitely the alpha wide receiver going up against the Texans. I mean, he's good at like, it seems like a lock. He should get double digit fantasy points. I think he's a reasonable play. You've got Marquise Brown. Uh, I think Pittman's 5,500 Marquise Brown's 5,900 and like his game doesn't really fit against the chargers defensive plan, but like, you gotta think, coordinators are smart enough to realize maybe we can't get 25 yard passes to Marquise Brown. Let's cross him along the field and let him use his speed to separate that way. Maybe I think he should be able to do a pretty good PPR game at 5,900. You got T Higgins, right? And we know Jamar Chase is getting all these touchdowns, but it looks like Tyler Boyd's probably the odd man out when everyone's healthy uh, on Cincinnati so far this year. And Higgins is just, he's a reasonable price tag in that mid $5,000 range. That's sort of where everything's sort of coming into me. I think if Mike Williams is out, I think Keenan Allen's going to be reasonably popular too. His price is just low enough where you can reach for someone like him. You've got 
Uh, Amron St. Brown uh, for the Lions. He's 4,200. That's probably the, the cheap guy I might be interested in back-to-back games with eight targets. Cephas is out now. Hawkinson's still not 100%. They're going to have to pass. They can't dump every ball off to DeAndre Swift. So uh, I think he looks like he's probably going to be the number one wide receiver until Tyrell Williams comes back from a concussion. If he ever does come back, um, seems like that last concussion hit him pretty good. Um, but I'm just finding myself in just like when you plug in all the other chalk plays, this is the tier I'm really focusing in on wide receivers this week. You got Brandon Cooks. There's a couple other guys, Jacoby Myers, but I don't know. I want a guy who can get a touchdown. So he doesn't really make my <laughs> list. Um, I don't know. This, this is just where I'm sort of landing this week. Yeah, man, I, it, it is that range. You can go down. You mentioned Amon Ross St. Brown. I even think Rondale Moore is someone we could put in cash lines just so we can feel pretty good about. I was hoping that this four-wide receiver offense was going to become the full-time thing, but with the Zach Ertz trade, probably won't be more than this week. But if anything, like them bringing in Ertz, who is not playing in this – he's not playing two games in one week. You're not allowed to do that. Uh, without that, like they should lean on four-wide receiver sets. They already do them more than anyone else in the league. The thing is – you know. Know, the m- most frequently used four wide receiver set offense still only does it in like 20, 25% of their snaps. So we have Rondale getting more rush attempts while Chase Edmonds is banged up with a shoulder injury. And last week, just in terms of pure usage, regardless of four wide receiver sets, he was finally starting to eat into some of Christian Kirk's reps as well. So it's just all about how you feel with it. If you want to go with Pittman, Jacoby, and maybe try to go up to Hollywood Brown, that's fine. But if you really want to try to get up more into that upper 6K range or even in the 7k range i do think going down with someone like rondale or amon ross st brown is probably your best bet way to do it but yeah i think more than anything like hollywood would be the one guy i want to try to get in there 80 plus yards and or a touchdown in 12 of his last 13 games like every he has the two drops and everyone's like what if he didn't drop those balls man we'd be looking at like a legit top five receiver at this point in fantasy land so i know he did but it's, it's almost like the Tannehill factor where like every time these guys have like even an average week we're like oh okay the, the jig's up they're back to being the guy we thought they were and Hollywood Brown's just been a great receiver really for almost an entire season's worth of games now so I'm not afraid to do that and take that Monday night discount in terms of tournaments Maybe, just maybe, DeAndre Hopkins finally gets the blow-up week. He did return to practice this time. And the bigger issue with the Cardinals, like I know their targets have been much closer than we've seen in past years, but we also just haven't seen a game yet where Kyler has had to really throw the hell out of the ball. The Vikings game was really their only close one that was somewhat back and forth, but even then the Cardinals kind of jumped out in front. We do have Kyler popping up on the injury report with a shoulder injury. As we remember last year when he was dealing with that, it did uh, force him to run the ball much less so I think Hopkins and Rondale as well makes sense in a game where people will be a lot more into it if there wasn't that win to worry about also Robbie Anderson mentioned him before in the uh, Sam Darnold potential stack and one guy I I think you like as well Odell Beckham with everyone just saying hey he's done there's nothing you can do about it you know I do put my phone grinder hat on uh, uh, every now and then while I'm chilling here at the PFF headquarters and I went back in that Chargers game and counted no fewer than four times when this dude was breaking open downfield what they talk about during the week you know Beckham he's like yeah of course I want the ball more but happy to be winning and Baker complimented his run blocking which 
you know, it's sad that we have to talk about OPJ's run blocking. That's what we've been reduced to. But truly, this guy is going out there. Like, there's no divaness like, going on right now. This dude is going out there, doing his job, and he's their number one receiver, clear-cut as long as Landry remains sidelined. So it's been ugly that we haven't gotten the freaking five potential touchdowns or whatever it is over the past two weeks to come to fruition. But maybe, just maybe, as soon as everyone is fully off him, this is when it finally comes together for OBJ. Yeah, I wrote down my exact words. He's pissed on enough people off to be viable <laughs> this week because exactly. people have been people used him in cash two weeks ago. Then he was a semi fringe play last week, and it just hasn't worked. And that's when you want to sort of jump on these guys when their salary goes down yeah. and people are pissed off. Though if the wind wasn't there, it would make a little bit more sense. But it's even better leverage because everyone everyone's going to Kareem Hunt this week in tournaments, so that gives you some real extreme leverage if it's Odell Beckham that happens to find the end zone for the Browns yeah. this week. Uh, a couple other ones, um, the Rams passing game, you mentioned it in, you know, and some of your stuff from your article earlier in the show. Uh, if you play Woods or Cup, you're, you know, with Matt Stafford, right, you're getting extreme. I think Daryl Henderson should be one of the more chalky yeah. running backs. So you're getting some leverage off of them if they happen to be the ones that get into the end zone. And the same, Justin Jefferson just does it every single week, puts up, he can have, he could literally have a 40 point fantasy game at any point in the season for sure. If he happens to get two touchdowns, 10 targets, and things like that. And if Dalvin Cook does become reasonably popular, you can play him and Adam Thielen's price is cheap and maybe he was dinged up a little bit, but he he likes to catch touchdowns and touchdowns <laughs> count for fantasy points. Last I checked on DraftKings, you get a point for the catch and six for the touchdown. You get two of those. You don't need many yards to have yourself a good game. So the Vikings receivers have been a staple point of me talking about them in tournaments all season and they just never get enough ownership. And I think you can use both of them again this week uh, for some leverage. Uh, all right. Uh, before we talk about tight ends and wrap up the show, uh, I want to let you guys know about Roto Grinders Premium. We talk about ownership. If you want to get access to that, if you want to know who's going to be used, who's not going to be, we have that here. If you want to get access to lineup HQ, you don't want to hand. I I still hand build like twenty lineups a week, Ian. It's a it's a pain in the butt sometimes. You just want to click a couple of buttons. And you want to use uh, Lineup HQ to do that, you can do that uh, along with all the articles, my Millionaire Maker article. I just released the week five recap earlier in the week that went over the first five weeks, along with how ownership trends um, move up and down during bye weeks. So there's access to that, along with a lot of other things. You can get that uh, at Roto Grinders uh, with Premium. If you want the whole package, we have that. If you just play NFL, we have access to just an NFL version as well. So make sure to check that out. Uh, all right, let's go to tight ends for Cash Ian. And, and like, it's just tight. It's, it's, it's horrible this week. And I know Travis Kelsey's 7,000, which is, I believe, his lowest. Let's see yeah, here. It is. He, it is. Yeah, he was 7,300. But dude, I don't have $7,000 for Travis Kelsey because there's just, there's two better volume plays, I think this week. And it's, it's Mark Andrews at 5,200, who, if you're spending up, it, it, he looks really juicy because he didn't get that price bump. If the price bump was factored in, he'd probably be, I don't know, probably priced just like Darren Waller at 6,600 yeah. this week. But the one that's really eyeing me on DraftKings, whenever you can get the cheap tight end, that's, you know, gets a lot of targets that actually is on the field that runs routes that gets end zone targets. This is not Evan Ingram. This is Ricky seals Jones. And we sort of liked Ricky seals Jones over Evan Ingram last week. And with all these injuries going on, possibly in Washington with McLaren popping up on the injury report on Friday with a hamstring, that is not good. Um, Ricky seals Jones might be the focal point. If your boy JD McKissick doesn't come through, uh, he, he's, he's just three K he should be like, like if ownership was factored into what he's going to be owned this week and like 
the Terry McLaurin injury, if he happens to sit with factor, he'd be like a forty-five to five thousand dollar tight end on DraftKings. He's three K, and that's just what really makes the rest of your lineup look good. It's going to be a very chalky week because I basically laid out the lineup for you. That's going to be super popular over the course of the show. But that's what happens on some of the bye weeks, and it looks like RSJ is probably my preferred option. I mean, RSJ, I, I know he's had some past, like he's, you know, we've been doing this for a while, Britt. I've we've seen an RSJ week before where he's elevated to a alleged starting role and then he busts when everyone gets behind him. But people, he's had this, you know, weird little click of fantasy analysts that like him because he's a converted wide receiver that looks like one when they throw him the ball. So he's already made like two handfuls of really good plays throughout this year. He had a good 40 yard catch and run nullified last week, just on an illegal man downfield penalty that unfortunately didn't do him any favors there, but they are giving him a true every down roll. Like we're talking 99% snaps. Logan Thomas got hurt and they just said, you know what? Next guy up RSJ, you go be Logan Thomas. So at 3K, man, the way the cash lineups are setting up, I do think it makes the most sense to probably go down to him. Him, it hurts not having Kelsey, but we want these running backs. We want Lamar. We can save some cash on defense by going with the Lions at home against the Bengals. But then it's like, do you want to have this? again, group of 5K wide receivers or we go down to one of Amonra or Rondale to try to get up a little bit? Or do you want to be able to have like DJ Moore, Keenan Allen, and then one of the 5K wide receivers? Right now, I'm leaning towards trying to save money or RSJ to get up elsewhere at wide out. It gets a little more interesting in tournaments. Again, talked about Andrew being mispriced. We talked about uh, Kelsey being mispriced. And I also think Noah Fant is someone that we should be willing to go back the well with. Alberto remains on the injury reserve list with the hamstring injury. And even though Fant's production wasn't great, as Dwayne McFarlane and myself talked about on the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast, his efficiency, not his efficiency, but his usage numbers were at an all-time best. So I still think Noah Fant is a plus tight end, awfully talented in his own right from a real-life perspective. And that's just 4,800 on home against the Raiders I think he could be the guy that could swing a tournament if he could find his way into the end zone once or twice yeah just tight end is is pretty gross this week like you have the I think Kelsey Andrews RSJ will probably make up like almost half of all tournament teams when I did my original (laughs) cash lineup yesterday before we got you know the Kareem Hunt news and all this I had RSJ as my tight end and Kelsey as the flex because I thought hey we have two I mean, I know you don't want to do that for lack of upside, but if we can find two tight ends here that are more or less wide receivers as it is, it is Kelsey and RSJ. So I don't think we need to go uh, that route these days with the running back options available. But, hey, I think that's an option for tournaments, though. If you wanted to go Kelsey and Andrews, Kelsey and RSJ, like this would be the week, I think, based on all the savings we have at tight end to double it up. A couple other tight ends I was made. It's it's just – I don't know. Maybe I'm grasping at straws here, but Hunter Henry, <laughs> he's running all the routes. Uh, John U. Smith is not, although I did see some quotes that say uh, everyone's like John U. Smith's week's coming. Well, it cannot be John U. Smith if he's running like six routes a week. That's just, it's not going to be John U. Smith week. It's Hunter Henry who's running the routes. Still not a ton, um, but he does seem to be the tight end uh, that you want for fantasy over in New England. If I like the Cowboys to score some points, we know Jacoby Myers doesn't get into the end zone. So it's Hunter Henry. That's going to be scoring the touchdowns. I think that's a, a fun way to run that back. And I guess my, just a, a little bit more leverage off of Daryl Henderson, who I expect to be popular. And we talked, you talked about Stafford and how good this Rams passing offense should be this week is Tyler Higby, who's pretty much laid two eggs since we all rostered him in week three. So he's disappointed us two weeks in a row. And 
one if a guy has one bad performance we'll still go back to him in nfl dfs but if he has two in a row we tend to write him off and ownership plummets on that player that's from me doing the millionaire maker stuff for um looking at all those over three and a half almost four years now so if you're looking for some ultra leverage ultra low owned tight ends um tyler higby someone i might want to run back at it but it really just seems I even think I, I hate playing the cheap chalky tight end in tournaments, Ian, but it's, it's Ricky seals Jones. There's nothing below him. That's interesting. And there's not even really anything until you get to Hunter Henry. That's interesting. Well, and like the rest of the positions, we don't have really good. Like if you look sub 4k wide receivers as Brian Edwards, it's like KJ Osborne, but there's no one you feel overwhelmingly good about. And the cheapest running back is Khalil Herbert at 4.6. So again, the quarterback, when we lose McLaurin, likely we're kind of losing Heineke as well. RSJ. And again, I think Detroit, if you want to go that route on defense are the two easiest ways to save salary this week, regardless of what position we're talking about. Yeah, you can Jared cook dart throw, but that's still 3,200. Yeah, it's, it's like, it's just, it's a really bad um, tight end spot for the cheap ones, which Ricky seals Jones. I, I, I would normally would not consider him a, a good tournament play, but I, I just think if you're, saving money he, he's really just about it and i would do something goofy in the rest of my lineup and again like he's not he's him. not your typical like 3k tight end he's playing every single down we know he's a talented pass catcher this isn't like will disley jack doyle hopefully they like catch one of their two targets in the end zone type of deal uh real quick on the defenses because i know I, i've been saying the lions that'll probably be the popular mm-hmm. cash one but i do think if you want to again try to follow the right game script thing and you know get your running backs benefiting from a dominant defensive effort the top three units by far standing out in terms of getting pressure on guys like we talked about earlier with their running backs dalvin cook and the vikings defense going up against darnold o-line injuries still holds the ball a lot and then also chuba and the panthers defense and the same reasoning with kirk cousins having those aforementioned issues against pressure and finally josh jacobs and the raiders defense going up against teddy who has played great this year but he also still does hold the ball a lot and that can lead to some of those fancy friendly fumble opportunities all right that's going to wrap it up for the week six edition of the pro football focus show here on rotor grinders again if you want to check out Ian's article, The Mismatch Manifesto, you can go find that on Pro Football Focus under the fantasy tab. For It's under the fantasy tab, right? Or is it in the general tab? It's there. It's on my Twitter at iHeartIts as well. So if you All just right. type in week six fantasy mismatches on Google, you'll find it in no time. All right. You can read that for free. Um, check out uh, Jock Market. Uh, glad to have them uh, doing an, an ad during the show. And uh, everyone have fun out there. Uh, hopefully you crush it at the sports books and your DFS teams are at the top of tournaments this week for Ian. I'm Britt. Thanks for watching everybody. And we out you.